Возлюбленная Богом Церковь, начиная наше богослужение перед Господом, встанем, пожалуйста, и утвердим исповедание веры нашего сердца, обетование, относящееся к предверию нашей надежды. Да воцарится воскресение Христова в наших телах. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand has appointed for the worshiping of your holy name. And now allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted up to heights that are not reachable for us and to destroy all burden and sin that binds us. May in the service as previously all the works of devil be cursed illnesses poverty untimely death demonic possession all matter of fear destruction depression ignorance error all of this may it depart from the tents of your holy people and now stand O lord upon the place of your rest you and the ark of your might and may your saints be clothed into your salvation and rejoice before your face Give us more of your Spirit. Saturate us with your Holy Spirit. Allow us to find your great face. We thank you that the service is presented by Apostle Arkady into your godly hands, and we pray continue to leave it with a great and powerful arm, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Jeremiah 6, 16. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Returning to the old path of good. As a basis for our study of the old path of good, we turn to the words of Apostle Paul, who by the mercy and inspiration of the Holy Spirit was successfully able to, in short and exact definitions, explain the consist consistency of the order that exists within the teaching of Christ, Hebrews 6, 1-2, and it is presented to us by our pastor in a more elaborated format so that we can understand the essence, the depths, and the significance of this place of Scripture. Therefore, sprinkling yourself with the elementary teaching of Christ and clothing yourself with the armor of light, which consists in the rule of this teaching, we will then build ourselves into a house of God because it is not possible to lay again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of the hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so in a specific format, as much as God has allowed and the measure of our faith, we already studied the doctrine of the baptisms in three functions, baptism of water, Holy Spirit, and fire, the doctrine of laying on of the hands in three functions, the covenant of blood, salt, and rest, and the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead in the functions of three births, birth from water, spirit, and to the throne. Therefore, we will immediately turn to the study of the doctrine of the eternal judgment, which in Scripture is a triumphant accord in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ and contains three mutually linked levels of the will of God. <clears throat> it's written in Romans 12, 1-2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <coughs> Here we see the will of God that is good, acceptable, and perfect, which are a part of the teaching of the eternal judgment, doctrine of eternal judgment. And to answer the question, why specifically the doctrine of the eternal judgment does it have, what does it contain, the will of God? Let's look at the next things that our pastor says. The functions of the will of God combined are identified in Scripture as a work of righteousness in the works of justice and a work of sanctification in the acts of holiness, clothing a person into the armor of light, demonstrated in the eternal judgment. And so in this place, or in these words, we can see what what the link is and how the eternal judgment has the will of God in it because the will of God and the teaching of the eternal judgment they have something mutual and this is the word of God this is the law of God and this is the doctrine of eternal judgment this is a triumphant accord in the teaching of Jesus Christ and if it's in a triumphant accord then the Lord like never before will be magnifying the word of God but when he magnifies the word of God, <clears throat> it's something that we can do uh, also when we perform uh, the will of God, we perform the work. Without the w- word of God, we can't perform his will. And when we perform the good, acceptable, and perfect will, then we are performing righteousness and works of justice and demonstrate sanctification in acts of righteousness <clears throat> because of his good acceptable and perfect will and when we do this we are clothed into the armor of light we become a light and when we be- when we become a light and are clothed into the armor of light then we are being clothed into the power of the eternal judgment we are judgment a very interesting angle being shown here that within the doctrine of the eternal judgment Uh, is the judgment of God. It's like any healthy uh, kingdom or country. There are three forms of power. There's the one that gives the law. There's the one that applies the law. And so there's the given law that's given, kind of like the Bible is the given law. It needs to be fulfilled. And so the teaching or doctrine of eternal judgment shows these three uh, uh, forms of power. The given law the 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 awareness being fulfilled and the judgment also and so our enemy of course he hates uh, sanctification uh, and we need to understand that when we're asked why is it that the doctrine of eternal judgment has the will of God in it well these three forms of his will there's the given law of God which demands uh, Uh, and also there's the authority that fulfills the law and the judgments then that are carried out as well. Revelations 22, 11-12. Here it talks about the functions of the will of God, which are in the works of righteousness and works of sanctification. The scriptures say, He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. 
He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he who is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Here a holy and righteous person needs to do the work of the will of God, the work of God, and it's in the words, may the holy be holy still, and may the righteous let him be righteous still. The word of God are the judgments of God, identifying his righteousness and his incorruptible holiness. The only thing that God depends on is his word, which proceeded from his mouth and has forever bound him with what he has spoken. God was, is, and will be the judge. God's judgment is in the eternal and unchanging character of God, which identifies his unchanging word. God can be judged by his unchanging words. Why is God the judge? Because God is the God of his word. And to judge about our God, about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is looking at the words we have that we hear from him in these words there is specific judgment and if there's a specific judgment then you need to understand that i am the judge that i will judge the nations every individual person and we are given a choice the lord says when you will know the truth do you want to judge yourself or do you need help I can then judge you and punish you. But before the throne, you will hear the verdict of, of eternal judgment. <laughs> but And we make the decision, Lord, I want to know your word, and I want to judge myself, to discipline myself, so I not be condemned with the world. And if I haven't done this yet, show me how to do this so that I can start doing this in my life so I not be condemned with the world because God does everything through his word he was is and forever will be the judge and there are sufficient amount of examples in scripture in the history of mankind that God is judge the holy God demonstrated his holiness and spoke his judgments against the cherubim that sinned God judged the first people Adam and Eve and forced them out of the Garden of Eden God judged the fallen world in the days of Noah and sent the flood God condemned Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities with fire, turning them to dust, showing the example to future wicked people. God condemned Egypt, sending the Egyptians ten plagues and drowning the army of Pharaoh in the Red Sea. God judged those who worshipped the golden calf. God judged the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu for bringing him profane fire. God condemned the stubbornness of the heads of the Levite tribe, Korah, Dathan, and Abram, destroying them with an earthquake. God judged Akan for defiling the nation with an accursed thing, and he was stoned. God judged Israel for non-belief and rebellion, and all the men that were older than 20 years, with the exception of Caleb and Joshua, the son of Nun, died in the wilderness. We can continue this unfortunate long list of God's judgments, which with much more severe consequences occurred in the New Testament. As it is written, and as we can see today, that the judgment of God is upon the nation of Israel. We see in the time of Apostle Paul and Peter, Ananias had fallen, if you remember how 
Alexander and others were were excommunicated and also how people were becoming ill and dying early because they were dishonoring God. All these things happened. That means that God was, is, and forever will be judge. 1 Peter 4.17 For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The Lord begins, of course, with His church. Today's battle between good and evil will not continue forever. The judgments of God will destroy evil in its entirety and completely. Isaiah 26, 9 With my soul I have desired you in the night. Yes, by my spirit within me I will seek you early. For when your, right, when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. <clears throat> Isaiah and David and other prophets, they called upon God's judgments. Why did they call upon God's judgments? Because there was no other way to fulfill God's good, per- acceptable, and perfect will. When we fulfill His good, acceptable, and perfect will, then it always comes with God's judgments. We put on the armor of light, and the armor of light, it condemns. And it is unlikable to carnal men and the wicked and lawless. They don't like it. And Isaiah here proclaims that the judgments of God may be upon the earth, and not just upon the earth, but upon our own earth that God's judgments be upon our own personal earth and condemn the kingdom of of darkness, the old man, that there be constant uh, earthquakes happening and that this be in our own interest. Uh, And so we are given the teaching. The teaching is given so that we uh, so that we understand that the judgment of God is inescapable and each one will will uh, be faced with that but we need someone born different inside of us the new person the sacred person that is inherent to God so that this new born person can change within a short period of time our mind and then our mind by confessing with our mouth would be able to confess redemption for our body so that the spirit soul and body can be moved away from God's wrath And so we have the opportunity to leave our nation, the house of our Father, and our destructive desires. And for this, it is necessary to put on the new man that is inherent to God. And we need to understand that, that the teaching shows the coordinates. Uh, you look at the coordinates, and it's your own house. It's, it's where you live, and your name is written there. But why not change those coordinates so that the wrath does not pour on this place? We uh, grow our spirit, save our soul, and by doing the work, we can redeem our body. And so there's no, uh, again, way to avoid it. If we remain in those coordinates, uh, it will destroy us. But we need to quickly change those coordinates, dying for the house of our Father, our nation, our destructive desires, because symbolically the rocket's flying already. 
The wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, consisting of twelve precious foundations, the teaching of the eternal judgment, demonstrated in the good will of God, is made of the precious chrysoprase stone. Revelations 21, 14, 19. Now the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The foundation of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones, tenth foundation, chrysoprase. Chrysoprase is one of the most expensive varieties of chalcedony. The varieties of chalcedony from which the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem was made is also present on the breastplate of judgment of the high priest. We can therefore conclude that when God will be building a relationship with man by the power contained in his good will, then he will be speaking to man by the means of the Urim and the Thummim, the voice coming from the sacred mystery of the chrysoprase, which in this foundation presents the name of the apostle Labius, whose surname is Thaddeus. Matthew 10, 2, 3. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these, 10th Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus. Labius, whose surname is Thaddeus, is actually Judas, son of James. Here we see how he was being called, his relatives, his family, his uh, labius, but his actual name was Judas, son of James. The name Judas, or Jude, was so popular in Israel that just in Jesus' circle, there were three disciples who were named Judas. One of them was the brother of Christ, and we have his epistle, that small epistle, then there was Judas, son of James, whose name was written on the tenth foundation, and finally, Judas Iscariot. In other words, the name written upon the chrysoprase, the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem, is the name Judas, son of James. The name Judas, son, uh, what does it mean, the name G- Judas and also James? And then Pastor Cuddy will show us when we take put these two names together what uh, what we find. And so the name Judas or Jude means praise God or praise Yahweh. To praise God is to draw water of life from the well of your good heart. And so if I have Jude or Judas, his name means praising Yahweh or praising God, then this means to draw, how do we praise Yahweh? To draw water of life from the well of your good heart. And so that means our heart needs to be good. And so we need to undig this well and it needs to be filled with water so that you could draw the praise of praise of God. It's, it's a work uh, and it's work that needs to be done so that you can quench both the thirst of God as well as your own thirst. It is this function that is contained in the name of Judas. The name James, a derivative of Jacob, as much as we know means he is holding onto the foot, he will kick or jab, he will leave a footprint, he will protect, he will overcome. Therefore, combined and together, the name Judas and James means praising God, leaving your permanent print, and will serve as an eternal remembrance for heaven. 
eternal remembrance for heaven, earth, and hell in the factor of who God is for his nation and what God has done for his nation. A very interesting uh, definition have we received in the name Judas, son of James, the two names together. And now let's look at the power contained in the name of Judas, son of James, called to give the children of God the right by the means of praising God to sing and proclaim who God is for them and what God has done for them. And God, confessing such praise, gives him the ability to show his children his favor or his good will. We're going to talk about the good will, and we will remember uh, that talking about the good will, although it's a triumphant teaching, this triumphant teaching with this triumphant accord uh, happens when we are baptized in water. When a person is baptized in water, he makes the covenant of blood. He's born from water. He's baptized. In baptism, there's the covenant of blood. The Lord says, you are my holiness. And this allows him, from this position, to perform God's good will. A person repents. He's been baptized. He now can draw praise to God. He has what he can thank God for. As we have these songs, I have what I can thank God for. And so we say, who God is for us, what he's done for us, we begin to draw from there. Draw from the well of our heart all of these things. And then we will be able to open up new springs uh, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit into the acceptable will and in the baptism of fire into the into the perfect will. But today we will talk about the good will today that we all need to have and that we all need to use all Christians who have confirmed their faith through baptism of water. We need to know this and use it, these instruments or anyone who's planning to make a covenant with God through baptism of water, we need to know what is expected. First component of the power contained in the name of Judas of James in the 10th foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is called to praise God by drawing water from the wellsprings of salvation contained in the heart of man. In our heart, we have a sacred, born sacred person and we need to draw waters from the wellspring of salvation, which is in the heart of man. And so the wellsprings of salvation is there, and of course we need to be taught and to understand that that's what we do have. You need to have a person that is uh, uh, sent to you, he's a wellspring of salvation, and the truth that is being called as a well told to you is a wellspring of salvation. And when you have all the the right things together, you'll have these wellsprings of salvation. And so let's look at these wellsprings of salvation, how to obtain them, and how to use them. I say twelve three through five. Therefore, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His deeds among the peoples, make mention that His name is exalted, sing to the Lord, for He has done excellent things, this is known in all the earth. According to the Hebrew version Strong, the meaning of the phrase Praise Yahweh, contained in the name Judas, means this word praise. What does it include? Praise is list the names and titles of God. List the perfect works of God. Thank God for the work He has already done. Boast about God in your confessions and songs. Stay and not abandon your place. Not to leave your place. This is to praise God. To praise God, be faithful to your calling. Study and fulfill the desires of God. Trust God and rely upon God. According to the uh, to the, uh, I often you look often look at places that's hard to find a praise. I always thought in the past that to praise God is just to list His works, just say what who He is to you. But the pa- our pastor says. That all of this is good if you're not uh, abandoning the place where you're supposed to be like the archangel did like others did they left their places they left their calling and for God if a person easily leaves his calling then this says a lot a person does not have the right to just easily leave his calling something small happens Oh, I'm not going to sing today. I'm not going to do this just because this happened. And as you can see also in little children sometimes where uh, another little boy or girl was praised. uh, The other child says, well, I'm not going to sing because this one is is the one that's getting all the compliments. And so to praise God is not just having a good voice and singing. To praise God is not leaving your calling. You need to be faithful to your calling. Third, you need to study and fulfill His desires to trust God and rely upon Him. This, of course, is for everybody. And so we're talking, of course, uh, about everybody. According to the definitions above, the purpose of praise is in the activation and release of treasures that are concealed in the mouth of God from the invisible sphere of your heart to the visible. You see how beautifully it's written that we activate, we release the treasures of God that are in His Word from the invisible sphere of our heart to the visible. Everything that is within our heart is invisible, and through praise, we release it into the visible, into the physical world. As we talked about, to proclaim the not-existent as existent. This not-existent, it does exist somewhere, because if it does not exist anywhere, it needs to exist in Christ. 
And so it exists in Christ when these wells of salvation are are in me. And so if it's in Christ, but it's not in my heart, then I don't have anything and I can't proclaim the not existent as existent. Then I will just be uh, trying to convince myself of something that isn't there. It needs to exist. It exists in Jesus Christ and it, it's in our in our heart. And as our pastor says, so that this treasure would be able to be released, activated in the visible realm, out of the invisible. We may not see them, but they're in our heart. All this wealth is in our heart. And the time will come. We continue to confess the word of God, and the Lord will bring them from the invisible area of our spirit into the visible and physical world. However, to comprehend these statutes with your reasonable abilities is not possible. For this purpose, it is necessary to be taught by God, by His messengers, to whom He has entrusted the word of the gospel. Psalm 119, 171, 172. My lips shall utter praise. When? For you teach me your statutes. My lips shall utter praise. When? When you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word. For all your commandments our righteousness. Therefore, the key to apprehending the strategy of praise is contained in the meaning of the verb teach. I will, my lips shall utter praise when you teach me your statutes. <clears throat> and so why do we need to be, why do, why do we need to be taught? Why should we go to church? And so, two will be in a church, both will be uh, singing the same psalm to God. One will dishonor God, one will honor God. And so, this praise, you can't just memorize it in your mind and that's it. You need to learn it, understand it. And what does it include? This word, teach. You will send a teacher and instructor. Teach is learn to be a student in accordance with the Lord's statutes. It's to learn from the statutes to pay the price for learning, to be trained to act within the boundaries of God's statutes, to instruct, to to be instructed upon the paths of of the statutes, to be prepared to fulfill the statutes, and be taught to praise the statutes. Here's the path to praise God. We need to be taught these statutes. This wellspring needs to be undug. To bring an offering of praise following the order outlined in the statutes, it is necessary to always acknowledge the link between praise and God's statutes. Again, always keeping watch, making sure that your link with your praise and the Word of God, His statutes, there's that link happening. And so you may have to correct sometimes your prayers. Our apostle has taught taught us when you speak to the Lord, you don't need to be hasty. And so people are hasty as if uh, something is closing immediately and you need to get there quickly. And so the Lord is not hasty and we need to not be hasty also. 
we are given our mind so that we the revelations that have become the possession of our spirit so that they then be sent to our mind and from our mind that we correctly uh, have it filled in and then proclaim that with our mouth and again always acknowledging keeping watch of this link this connection between praise legitimate praise and the word of God uh, the statutes of God and sometimes you'll notice that you say something and you realize that it may be incorrect and so you take those words back and then you restart uh, the uh, phrase you say once again the right way uh, and you thank God for that phrase sometimes of course we need to ask forgiveness if it's something truly uh, inaccurate And such praise is called by God to come about by confessing the information that is the faith of our heart and demonstrates itself in the confessions of our mouth. And so what is praise? If we're asked, what is praise? It's confessing that information that is the faith of our heart. Faith of our heart. Confessing the righteousness of God or the fruit of righteousness. There are things that we confess when we receive justification, and there are things that we confess as the fruit of righteousness. This is when we confess the faith of our heart. And for God, the fruit of righteousness is, before God, is a changed character. And in your heart, and even if you're in if the character is not all the way changed it's already in your heart this wellspring in, of salvation is already there in the heart and and sometimes you may say lord i'm not perfect i may yell at sometimes i could do things uh but the lord hears if you have the fruit of righteousness in your heart uh this promise is in your heart because I've heard the question, what if the Lord's not hearing me because I don't have a changed character? Well, and what do you mean do you, your cha- character's not, not changed? Sometimes I, I've, I've yelled at people. And so people sometimes say, I need to be more sensitive or I need to be more delicate. If you imagine, sometimes... Uh, even Jesus would have to come into the temple if you remember and he drove out all those who were buying and selling uh, he turned over all the tables uh, it's not always in the f- uh, form of gentleness we have to remember that as well we need to uh, remember that we represent the interests of the holiness of God and we need to stand guard of God's holiness and not trying to be just quiet and 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 nice all the time uh, as envisioning by some people we need to demonstrate God's holiness and stand guard of God's holiness and proclaim the faith of our heart the fruit of righteousness is the faith of our heart the faith of our heart which it abides in our heart and it is these wellsprings that are filled with God's water To praise God truly means to draw from the well of your good heart 
both praise and thanksgiving to God, singing and confessing who God is to us and what God has done for us. Praising God is truly, it truly means to draw from the well of your good heart, both praise and thanksgiving to God, singing and confessing who God is to us and what God has done for us. Such praise quenches the thirst of the Holy Spirit and in turn gives the Holy Spirit the ability to quench our thirst in the same measure in which we quench His thirst. Let us remember that the phrase, my lips shall utter praise after you teach me your statutes means first we looked at what does it mean to be taught God's statutes and now this part where it says my lips shall utter praise after we're taught his statutes to be taught his statutes we already know it's that the Lord will send to us a teacher he will he will teach us he'll prepare us he will put his revelations in me and after he does all this now my lips shall utter utter praise before him and it means will run like a stream of life or ripple with life in our hearts will flow as a current in the direction of God's heart will speak what is precious from the foundation of the world to praise God my lips shall utter praise will proclaim liberty from sin will confirm God's commandments will walk in a circle around the established by God inheritance will act in accordance with the commands of the statutes, will speak life concealed in God's statutes, will have a dialogue founded upon God's statutes, and will act being influenced by the power of God's statutes. And so this is what praise, our lips shall utter praise. And so there was one place that really uh stood out to me we uh he will carry the lord will have a dialogue with us founded upon his statutes when we praise him it turns out it's not a monologue it's not just someone sitting on a throne and someone standing before him just saying something uh praise is a dialogue that I'm, and it means that i'm not doing this alone that means that the angels of god also worship when i say Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you that you have redeemed me. The angels of God also thank God that you redeemed me and that they will also be come free of this. Uh, of the things of the world. And so again, I've noted this for myself, that praise is not a monologue, it's a dialogue where all individuals are partaking, participating, and the Lord himself. These components contain the elements of the purpose of praise, called to flow in streams of life from our heart in the direction of the heart of God or be gathered at the disposal of God. It is specifically such people who are taught praise. God acknowledges with his seal the holiness of the Lord. The holiness of the Lord is the seal of righteousness which we receive freely by grace and redemption in Jesus Christ when we are born from water and make a covenant of blood in the baptism of water. The heart of such people is the good soil for receiving and growing the seed of the word of the kingdom of heaven. However, amongst these 
who receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven, there is sufficiently enough people whose heart is not cleansed by sprinkling from dirt, a dirty conscience. These first are hearts of people whose ground is overgrown with thorns and choke the seed of the kingdom of heaven. Second, whose soil of the heart is rocky and the seed that begins growing quickly dies as it does not have a root system. And third, whose soil of the heart is by the roadside where the soil is not roadside, which is a good example is the internet, where the soil is not prepared and the birds eat the seed of the herd word. And although all of these people receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven, make a covenant of blood with God in the baptism of water, their baptism loses power, and they turn into haters of God and haters or enemies of his nation. Understandably, the praise of such people and their goals are fundamentally different from the praise and goals of the righteous, due to which God perceived the praise of people whose heart is not cleansed by sprinkling from a dirty conscience as mockery and a foul odor. Only for the righteous was it acceptable to praise God. Psalm 33.1 Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from, up, from the upright is beautiful. The righteous are people that are first clothed into the virtue of students of Christ, who differentiate the voice of God in a man from a man with the spirit of the voice of deception, and who received the preached word from the person that is sent by God. Therefore, when they begin to praise God and confess the faith of our heart according to the order of the implemented by him statutes God receives them as people who draw water from the wellspring of salvation which quenches his thirst and gives him the ability to fulfill those confessions of the heart which they confess in praise when I read this I say thank God for all of the uh, services including the cell groups that we also participate in. Thank God that we have leaders that do this. People that are humble, that read, that study the word. This was the first component of the power. <clears throat> Second component of the power contained in the name of Judas, of James, in the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is demonstrated in a curse, bringing about God's favor upon themselves. Jo- Joshua 9:19 through 23 Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel, now therefore we may not touch them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live. let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation this is talking about the Gibbonites and so they decided if you know the story that they decided to make a covenant with the nation of Israel and Israel did not realize that it was the nation next to them that was supposed to be destroyed next but the Lord wanted to preserve this nation because without this nation he would not have been able to give the Canaanite land to them without the Gibbonites without this area of the soul that is submerged into the death of the Lord Jesus. Without the Gibbonites, the Lord would not have been able to save and give the land to Israel. The Gibbonites are the members of our body, given as servants of righteousness. It's a small nation. This is our our mouth. That is, has become a servant of righteousness. 
And so the Lord wanted to save these Gibeonites. And so when Saul wanted to, with in his zeal, kill the Gibeonites, the Lord then judged the house of Saul. We sometimes, in our zeal, uh, do uh, foolish things. And the ruler said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation, as the rulers had promised them. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now therefore you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters and water carriers for the house of my God. You will be. And it's interesting that the other 11 tribes were not able to serve in the in the temple. Only the Levites were able to serve in the temple and now the Gibeonites. And after you remember and if you remember during the time of David, God punished the people because of the foolishness of Saul. To chop wood and draw water from the house of God means to lose or more specifically to hate the old man with his deeds. Give yourself as a slave of righteousness. Luke 14, 26, 27. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, yes, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It isn't possible to be a servant of the Lord until we are freed from the slavery and tyranny of the old man. Colossians 3, 5-7 Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. And so putting to death our members which are on the earth. To put the old man to death is only possible by the means of abiding in the teaching of redemption contained in the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ about the kingdom of heaven. However, to abide in the teaching of the kingdom of heaven, you need to first accept it. This means make the decision to refuse to be a servant of the old man so that you can be a servant of the new man, born according to God by Jesus Christ. The condition for receiving the servitude of righteousness are contained in the power of the goodwill, at the same time abiding in the teaching of the kingdom of heaven is contained in the acceptable will. And so we give ourselves as servants of righteousness in the goodwill, and in the acceptable will, we now uh, keep this kingdom of heaven and this righteousness. And there are a lot of examples of how uh, this is received. And we could read Joshua 2, 9 through 21. It says here how Rahab, if you remember, she received the two spies. And she says, the window that you release us from, uh, release a scarlet uh a piece of cloth from the window so that we know uh, where you are and that you may be saved when we come uh, to this place when it, when when uh, Jericho will be destroyed and so 
she did tie this uh, piece of cloth to it. She thanked God for who he is and what he has done for us. The scarlet uh, piece of cloth is our confessions and to praise you need to receive. The scriptures say, teach me your statutes and then I will utter praise. Teach me your statutes. And so she received these two spies, the word of God and Holy Spirit. And to receive these two, the word of God and Holy Spirit is not possible just opening the Bible and reading it. The two are here in the works of God's messengers. This is the word of God that God has sent to his messengers and to us. And the Lord then looks at whether uh, whether I will hide them, will conceal them from my king, from my intellect. Because the, the king wants the spies, they, the true spies, they want to observe the land, this, this land which is our body, because he wants to save it. And so when I said, Lord, maybe according to your word, these two two spies have now gone and tried to and, and try to uh, now reach them and the intellect says well don't listen to these words don't 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 say these words and she had released then this scarlet uh, cloth from her window by stating who God is for her, what he's done for her and in this way she was saved and her her whole house was saved third component of the power contained in the name of Judas of James in the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is called to quench the fir- the thirst of the Son of God by drawing water from the Samaritan well. John 4, 5 through 24. Now Jacob's well was there, so he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary, Wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift that God gives, who is it who is who says to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, I have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well, and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. And so the woman said, Sir, give me this water, that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And woman answered, I, ha- I do not have him. Our father worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem, in the place where you ought to worship, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. Your wor- you worship what you do not know, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. The Samaritan woman is a symbol of a person seeking God in his heart, in his worship. As soon as she saw a prophet in Christ, she immediately asked him her innermost question, where do we worship God, so that she can be heard by God. The Samaritan woman's question came from the well of her heart and was for Christ. 
the same water that quenched his hunger and thirst. When the disciples brought Jesus food, and they saw him speaking with the Samaritan woman, they, they similar to the Samaritan woman, were perplexed and wondered how Jesus can be speaking with this woman, with whom Jews did not converse. And all that they could say at the moment in their confusion was, Rabbi, eat, to which he, he responded, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to themselves, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. In the given place of scripture, we see a category of people whose soil of the heart is ready to receive the seed of the kingdom of heaven. By listening to the preached word about the kingdom, being seated upon the throne of the kingdom of heaven and being this kingdom to receive the kingdom of heaven in the form of the lord of this kingdom is accepting the goodwill where a person confesses his sins and receives the gift of justification upon the conditions of the grace of god a very interesting third component fourth component of the power contained in the name of judas of james the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly jerusalem will turn the favor of god upon those who have found the grace of god in the wilderness jeremiah 31 2, 3. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness Israel when I went to give him rest. The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you. To find grace in the wilderness means to draw the water of life from the treasury of your heart in the wilderness. The wilderness is a symbol of sanctification. To find grace in the wilderness is to draw water from the treasury of your heart. Confession coming from a heart that is not cleansed in the conscience from dead works are confessions that lack the sign of holiness in the form of the wilderness. The sign of this kind of heart are dead works. And so who has found grace in the wilderness is one who confesses the faith of his heart. The phrase, the people who survived the sword, means people who orient away from various heretic teachings, from confessing their, also in, from confessing their resentments and their personal contradictions. These, this kind of nation has found mercy or grace, in this case, in sanctification. The Lord has kept us away from the sword, from the various heretic teachings. He has kept us from the sword and you have found grace in the wilderness. That's how he has kept us from all this deception and false teaching. We in the wilderness in sanctification were able to open up the wellsprings of life in our heart. Only those who have found this grace Fifth component of the power contained in the name of Judas of James and the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is called to praise God in the aspect that you then be called by his name. Isaiah 43, 1 through 8. But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name. You are mine. And so, new name, you are mine. 
an interesting name a Christian has. The Lord says, You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, you have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you, and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him, yes, I have made him. And so he says, by my name, anyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, <clears throat> and that that is, you are mine. I formed him, yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. And so here it's talking about the great blessings of people for whom God will give even nations or the soul for our soul. Imagine how the Lord has loved us that he said, for your soul, for yours and mine, he will give even nations. And he has done this. He has done this. When I died for my nation, at this time the Lord said, you are mine. For your sake, the, the nations will be condemned. And I gave, uh, and he, he gave, uh, and so that the Lord can redeem us from every nation, tribe, people, and peoples. And so all of these blessings can be uh, it says that they have eyes, but they're blind. They have ears, but they are deaf. And in other words, and this isn't a positive form in that they don't pay attention to the things that the mass media gives them or other people give them. They're deaf and blind in this case to all these things. They're closed just like Jesus Christ was to all this. And if I'm named with this beautiful name, you are mine, this is identified by being blind and deaf as Jesus Christ was. He heard many things, saw many things, but didn't notice, as if he didn't notice it. And so this deafness and blindness needs to be present in us as well, and we need to be opened for very different information. Sixth component of the power contained in the name of Judas of James in the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is called to draw water from the well of the heart to quench the thirst of the Holy Spirit and his camels in the form of his messengers. Genesis 24:11, And he made his camels kneel down outside the city by a well of water at the evening time, the time when women go out to draw water, then he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now let it be that the young woman to whom I say, Please let down your pitcher that I may drink, and she says, Drink, and I will also give your camels a drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this I will know that you have shown kindness 
to my master. As soon as he says, said this in his mind, he prayed to the Lord God of Abraham. Immediately she appeared. Rebecca, who drew water, and he asked her for water. She gave him water, and she said, I will also give your camels drink. This is very important. And we will see a place of scripture where, where we will see the Rebecca in the Church of Christ. 2 Corinthians 8, 3-5 For I bear witness For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. <clears throat> Rebecca said, drink and I will give to your camels. And it's written about the church that they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Rebecca is, and she, uh, we can see ourselves also in Rebecca as well. And the seventh component of the power contained in the name of Judas of James in the tenth foundation of the wall of the heavenly Jerusalem is demonstrated in the young women drawing water from the well who indicate the way to the prophet. 1 Samuel 9, 6 through 13. And he said to him, look now, there, this is a servant of Saul, Look now, there in the city, a man of God. He is an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Then Saul said to his servant, But look, if we go, that what shall we bring the man? For the bread in our vessels is all gone, and there is no present to bring to the man of God. What do we have? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Look, I have here at hand one-fourth of a shekel of silver I will give to that man of God to tell us our way. Formerly in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, he spoke thus, Come, let us go to the seer. For he who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer. Then Saul said to his servant, Well said, Come, let us go. So they went to the city where the man of God was. As they went up the hill to the city, they met some young women, going out to draw water and said to them is the seer here or is the prophet here and they answered them and said yes there he is just ahead of you hurry now for today he came to the city because there is a sacrifice of the people today on the high place as soon as you come into the city you will surely find him before he goes up to the high place to eat for the people will not eat until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Now, therefore, go up, for about this time you will find him. The way to the prophet, our, our apostle writes, Arkadi, is the way to the throne, where we see the perfect will of the Father, from the position of which we are called to perform the written judgments. This path begins with fulfilling the goodwill demonstrated in obeying the young women who draw water. And so these young women drawing water, they're inside of us. The young women drawing water, 
They will tell us inside of us that the prophet is ahead of you. First revelation, and you need to go quickly. Two forms of revelation. And so this And so this means that there's a person that is greater and that you can uh, receive from him. <clears throat> he is ahead of you and you could go and get this blessing from him. God has placed him, but you need to go quickly. That means be quick to listen, to hear, and be slow to speak. He says, remember, Saul, you're dealing with a person whom God has placed over you. And so again, being quick to hear and being slow to speak in this case. And do everything that that, that you will learn. Right now we are going to pray and I call every person to this place who would like to confirm the goodwill in their life. We will talk about who God is for us, what he's done for us, and to fulfill this will of God all starts with repentance, with receiving forgiveness and receiving justification upon this place. And we will be waiting for you here at the altar. And we call anyone whose heart is burning at this time. Let us pray. I will be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he's not against you he has loved you with an eternal love He has given us the work of his redemption he has stood between us and our enemies to protect us and lift us up to his level close your eyes this is your secret room lift your hands to heaven this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you 
and upon this holy place in the church of your holy nation I open up my heart so that you may see my pain my suffering my wounds inflicted by sin and lust that I hate and that I reject I come to you with my dependence with sin that I'm bound with illnesses, fears dishonor a pampered dignity I ask you forgive me wash me cleanse me heal my wounds restore me protect me with the blood of your son and right now before heaven and hell I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words I am washed I am cleansed I am healed I am restored I am justified and I am saved your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace may thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you but they won't touch you may the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you may with noise from your body the old man be thrusted out and may the stronghold of life be erected in its place may all this be upon you and your children and be and the nation shall say amen And so before we finish with our manifestation, I want to make a small announcement. I'd like to call out uh, Reynold Maximov and his future spouse. They are a bride and groom. They have already spoken to Pastor Arkady. They spoke with me as well, and Pastor Arkady has has asked that I can now make this announcement. It's also been told to them, and they've been given instructor instructions have been given to them uh, of what happens before marriage, after marriage, and uh, they're very different. and And this instruction has already been uh, given and uh, and understood. And so when you will see them together, you may now not feel uncomfortable. They are bride and groom. You may now take your seats. Now let us finish with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.